0: What tongue can recite It breathes in the air It shines in the light It streams from the hills It descends to the plain And sweetly distills In the dew and the rain Frail children
1: Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet together in your house with your people. And Father, as we meet together, we pray that your name would be lifted high, that your name would be exalted. Father, that, that as we uh, meet here today, we would leave differently than the way we came, that we would love you more, that we would leave more equipped to serve you and to tell others about you. And Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and for all that you've done. We love you and we give you today. May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be in God's house. We're so glad that you are here this Sunday after Thanksgiving. We have begun. Our, our Christmas decorations are up. Those volunteers have done a wonderful job of getting these decorations up, right? It looks good. You can clap with me. I'm going to direct you. It looks good. And here we're getting ready for Christmas. So uh, we're very excited about that here at First Baptist Church. We have a a Christmas musical that our choir is working on. It sounds great so far. They're going to do a wonderful job in leading us in worship in uh, December the 16th. All right, so make sure that you mark that in your calendars and you are here for that. If you're a guest with us, we're so proud that you're here. Please fill out the guest card in the pew rack in front of you and place that in our offering plate at the end of our services. And right now, church, let's all stand to greet one another.
2: You know, in Sunday school, y'all can be seated, you know, in Sunday school, uh, we're studying the book of James in our class, and and one of the favorite verses, I guess, that I, James is one of the special book for me, and, but it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials or diverse temptations, however you want to put it, and. And that's because we can count it joy because of what Jesus does for us in our lives. You know, Jesus is the one who carries us. He's the one that holds us. He's the one we can cry out to, Abba Father. He is everything that we need today. And he's everything we need tomorrow. So, you know, the, the choir's going to sing a song. Y'all have heard it before. And it's... One of my favorites, uh, when Johnny asked me if I could do this today, and immediately I was drawn to carry me. faithfully. Isn't he good? I tell you, he's great.
0: Praise the Lord.
3: everybody's morning doing? Good? All right, I'm going to give this over to my sister right now. She um, wrote a blog that goes alongside with what I'm singing today, so um, just listen to her. Great words.
4: All right, so Jesus not only died to save us from our sins, but he died so that we can live here on earth and be free from the bondage of our sins and experience his, his power um, and so i wrote a, bro- a blog called break every chain a few years ago i was outside playing with my dog she was on a leash but i decided to take her off of her leash because we were in a fenced-in area as i reached down to take off her leash i could see how she anticipated being able to run freely i released the leash and she ran as fast as she could with a big smile on her face. Yes, dogs do smile. Her ears flopped and her tongue hung out of her mouth as she ran sideways like she always did. She was a free dog. When I I took off her leash, I heard a small voice say, this is how I want you to be when I break the chains in your life. God began to speak to me and he showed me a vision of me just sitting next to broken chains. Those chains represented fear, insecurities, my past, anxiety, etc. Chains that had already been broken in Jesus' name. A lot of times we ask God to help us in our struggles and he breaks those chains, but we just sit there next to them. Sometimes we put them back on because we are so comfortable with the lifestyle we are in. Or sometimes we walk away but come right back to them because someone or something told you different. Romans 8 talks about how the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law couldn't do and sent Jesus to end sin's control over us. So we are no longer in bondage, chained up to sin through Jesus. That doesn't mean that we aren't ever going to sin or go through trials, but that when we accept Jesus, we are not under the law of sin anymore, but under grace. Romans 8, 1-3 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our faults. He sees the blood of Jesus, which, which makes us free from the penalty and power of sin. As I visioned myself sitting by these chains, I thought of reasons that could have made me feel like I was still bound by them. But God, what if I mess up again? God will still be there. But God, unhealthy relationships are all I've known. The party lifestyle is all I've known. Divorce runs in my family. Addiction runs in my family. And God says, I can break those chains and those cycles in your family if if you would just let me. We are no match for the power of hell and sin. It's already been proven that our sacrifices are far too small. No matter what we do, we can't be the ones who shake off those chains. But God, I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequences. You were made worthy of the freedom from bondage because Jesus is worthy. The enemy likes to keep us in bondage, but Jesus says no. Yeah, those chains gave you bruises and cuts, but God uses that as your testimony. So I picture myself walking away from the chains that keep me from living out God's purpose in my life, and I keep running, not looking back. Whatever those chains represent in your life, accept the freedom Jesus has given you by breaking those chains. Jesus always meets you where you're at, but he never intends to keep you there. Let the chains fall and walk into freedom. Amen. Thanks, sis. All
3: right, so... Um, Lindsay shared this song with me when I was in Conway. Um, I now live in Dallas, but I was going through a really hard time um, living in complete sin. And she showed me this song, and I just bawled my eyes out, but today that's not going to happen. Um, but I do want to dedicate this song real quick before it um, turns on. I just want to dedicate this song to one of my dear friends who I love and miss so much, Judy Moore. So, She's going to hear it in heaven.
5: Come out of hiding, you're safe with me here. There's no need to cover what I already see. You've got your reasons, but I hold you. Cause I loved you before, you knew it was love I saw it all, still I chose the cross And you are the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave Now rid of the shackles, my victory's yours I tore the veil for you to come close, there's no reason Distance anymore, you're not far from her.
1: Ladies, thank you so much uh, for that testimony and the song. What a, a wonderful tribute to know that God has broken every chain. And yet, very true, that too often we still sit by those chains and still cling to those chains. What a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you so much, ladies. I appreciate that. If you have your Bibles... Would you turn them with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1? Ephesians, chapter 1. This is the last Sunday in November. 2018 is coming to a close, and 2019 is coming right behind it. Lest the Lord comes, Amen. We pray that Jesus comes back to get us, but we know that uh, this year is almost over with. we celebrated Thanksgiving this past week. Last week, we looked at having an attitude of gratitude, an important biblical perspective that believers ought to be people who are the most thankful people on the face of the planet. And if you will remember, last week, as we spoke about having an attitude of gratitude, we said that you have a very good reason to have an attitude of gratitude. That Christians shouldn't be known for being uh, curmudgeons or shouldn't be known for their complaints, but Christians should be set apart for their gratefulness, for their thankfulness, for that aspect of, of who they are. It should be a definitive trait. We ought to be grateful and thankful people. And so last week we said you had a good reason to have an attitude of gratitude and following that we said not only do you have a good reason to have an attitude of gratitude but you have a good command to have an attitude of gratitude. Uh, And I'm catching up some of you who possibly weren't here last week and reminding some of you who were but even if you don't feel like it and even if you don't see the good reason to have an attitude of gratitude we have that command clearly in the Bible that we are to be people who are thankful, who pause and just stop, and instead of complaining and instead of uh, nitpicking, instead of doing those things, we are to be people who are just grateful and thankful, instead of people who are constantly looking down and, and upset by the situations and circumstances of our life. We are to be people who are genuinely thankful. We have a command to do so. Not only did we examine those two aspects last week, but we also saw that having that attitude of gratitude is important for the church. In a church, we cannot function properly. We cannot be a growing church unless we have that attitude of of gratitude. And not only that, we saw that being thankful is at the heart of worship. And if you are not by default in your new nature thankful, then you are going to have a hard time worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We ought to be thankful this past week. We celebrated Thanksgiving, and I hope, I hope that as you gathered around the table or spent time with your family, I hope that you pause to spend time, meaningful time with the Lord, thanking Him for all that He has done in your life. How important. This week, I want us to examine from Ephesians chapter 1, the blessings that God has given us. It's kind of a follow-up to last week. If last week, our first point was uh, that we have a good reason to be thankful, we're going to elaborate on that today as we look at the blessings of the believer. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pause and praise and pray to the Lord together. And remember that as I pray, it's your time to come before the Lord to praise him for all that he's done in your life and to ask him, as I'm asking over this entire congregation, to ask him, Lord, please show me your glory today. Lord, please speak to me today and remove any hindrance that will get in my way. Remove any obstacle that is in my way from reading and from learning from your word today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we love you. As we come to your word, we acknowledge now that we need you so desperately that in and of ourselves, we, we are not worthy to approach your throne, to serve you, to even love you, to even call you our God. But you, in your grace and in your love and in your mercy, in your wisdom, God, you provided salvation for your people through Jesus Christ. And we bless your name as we gather together today to learn from your word, to worship. God, I pray over every individual here that you would remove any obstacle that stands in their way from learning of your, from your word. Father, today there are those who are here who are lost. I pray that today you would remove those obstacles and that today they would give their life to you. God, today there are people who are struggling, struggling with sin in their lives. God, I pray that today you would give them victory. You would remove those obstacles and through your word, As we examine Jesus, I pray that you would give them freedom and they would see those broken chains. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do today. Speak through me now, especially, Lord. Anoint me for the preaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at several blessings that God has given us. Our our passage today is a little lengthy. And so we're going to do our best to get through it. We'll try to monitor the time and and cut off where we need to cut off. We may have to finish tonight, but we'll just see how far we get through this passage together. And I know there is no more frightening words that have ever been said from a pulpit than those right there. Sure you will. Sure you will. So let me pull out my clock here and put it up here. And uh, that really means nothing when a pastor does that, but it's all show. Uh, Our our passage today is extremely beautiful to study and to look at and to taste and to see today. It's wonderful. I want us to see three points from the scripture today. And at the very front, I'm going to give these three points to you. Number one, I want us to see what the Lord has done for us. We will see that in verses 3 through 6. We will see what the Lord has done has done for us number two in verses seven through 11 i want us to see today what the lord is doing for us what the lord is doing for us and in verses 12 through 14 i want you to see what the lord will do for us what the lord is going to do for us what he will do for us The passage is unique and beautiful as the Holy Spirit guides Paul as pen goes to paper here, as he writes out these words that the Lord had inspired him to write. The the passage that we're going to read today shows us just exactly how blessed we are. Church, today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I speak to those who have repented of their sins and called Jesus the Master and the Lord of their life today, you are blessed. You have a great reason to have a lot of gratitude. I was reading this morning, I have a little prayer booklet, and I was reading through uh, uh, some Psalms and praying praying them, and the Bible says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And the Lord just kind of stopped me right there. Of course, I believe the Lord is great, but the question popped into my heart. Josh, do you praise me greatly? If I'm great, do you really praise me greatly? What a conviction in my heart today that God has given us so much that we'll learn of today. He is so great, and he is to be praised not in a mediocre way, not in a way that is I'll give you just a little bit, I'll sing just a little bit, I'll live just a little bit, but his praise is to be great. You are to give to him praise greatly with all that you have. You are to give that to him. We were driving home from Sarah's family house this past week from spending Thanksgiving time. and I stopped into a gas station and uh, I was going to get a, a, a soda and to just make sure that I could drive the rest of the way. And I looked over and I saw chocolate milk. I said, you know what? Bo loves chocolate milk. I think I'm going to get one of his chocolate milk. And I could hear him as I was walking back from the door, Mama, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. And I gave it to him. He says, and about an hour or two, he, the whole thing, all he could say is, I got chocolate milk. Thank you, Daddy, for chocolate milk. Thank you, over and over again. I said, okay, Daddy and Mama got it. Thank you, Daddy and Mama, for chocolate milk over and over and over he was really excited about that chocolate milk and I thought this morning I thought do I ever come off that way to the Lord or am I kind of "Eh, thanks I'm adult so we don't go over and over just thanks I think the Lord wants to hear it kind of the other way don't you thank you Lord for saving me thank you thank you and so this passage is going to give us a lot of reasons there Why we should be thankful and grateful for the blessings that God has given us. He does it in three phases, as I already said. Uh, He he tells us what the Lord has done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he will do for us. But there's a whole other level here. And I want you to see this before we dig into the text, okay, because this is even more beautiful. Because as we look at these three phases, we can also see the trinity at play. We can also see the Trinity moving and working. In verses 3 through 6, as we see what the Lord has done for us, we really zoom in and focus on the Father and what role he has played in our salvation. Now, in every section, the, the, the role of each of each member of the Trinity will bleed over and we'll see this divine wonder. But in verses 3 through 6, as we see what the Lord has done for us, we're going to really focus on what the Father has planned and prepared for you and for me. And in verses 7 through 10, 7 through 11, we're going to see what the Lord has done for us. We're going to really focus on what Jesus has accomplished and what he has provided for us, what he is providing for us. And in verses 12 through 14, we're really going to see the Holy Spirit. And so I'm, I'm anxious to get to this. So let's let's go right ahead, straight away into our first point number one i want you to see what the lord has done for us look in verses three through six verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ just notice with me one more time as he's about to mention all the blessings that god has given us the first thing that paul says is this blessed be our god The word blessed comes from the Greek word eulogio. It's where we get our term eulogy from. And it means to speak well of. So the Bible commands us here. It tells us here that even as we look at the blessings that God has poured out on us, we are to in turn bless him. We are to be people who are blessing the Lord. Amen? Church, if God has blessed you, you ought to be a blessing to him. You ought to bless his name. Amen? Amen? Oh, we're going to try that again. You ought to bless his name, amen? amen? Oh, all right, there we go. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I want you to see that in that blessing and what God has done for us that we have a source of a blessing. We have a source of blessing. Look what he says in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. Oh, you have a lot of blessings in this life. You have a lot of things to be grateful for but none more than what blessings you can find in Jesus. No blessing that you have on this earth, no money, no riches, no relationships can compare to the blessings that are found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And what the Holy Spirit pins to us here, what the Father wants us to know, that he has provided this blessing for us, that our blessings have a source and they're rooted in Jesus. Church, your blessing is rooted in Jesus. He is the source of all of our blessings. He is the giver of good gifts. Jesus is the source of our blessing. So let me ask you this. If he's the source of our blessing, are you plugged into that source? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time getting to know him more through his word? And the Bible tells us that if he is the source of our blessing, then why be disconnected from it? Do you remember John chapter four? Jesus is sitting at a well and a Samaritan woman comes by. They engage in a conversation Jesus asks her for water and you remember you remember that wonderful account but what does Jesus say about himself to that Samaritan woman He says listen I am living water If you come to me if you ask for me for water that's living water and it will never run dry So let me ask you a question If he is the source of all good gifts if he is the source of true blessing, then what are you spending your lives on? What are you spending your time with? I want to encourage you as a church that God has given us a source of blessing and it is in Jesus. But not only has he given us that source, that location, look at the extent of it in verse 3. He's blessed us in Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ, it says in verse 3, with every spiritual blessing. What's the extent there of our blessings? Just a little bit? Just enough? Just what you're worth? No. What did he say? Every. Every. Your Father loves you, and he has blessed you in Jesus with not just a few blessings, with not just a little bit, with not just what you're worth or just how good you are. He has blessed you with Every single spiritual blessing. Amen, church. You have a reason to be thankful and to be grateful. God has provided you. The Father has provided you with every spiritual blessing. Now look at this location. Not only is it in Jesus, but, but look at what he says next. In the heavenly places. In the heavenly places, our blessings, the blessings that are truly rooted in Jesus, are incorruptible. Every blessing that that you have, that you hold dear in this life that are physical, you know, God wants us to be thankful for those things, but you know those change. What you really like today that's physical, maybe it's your phone, maybe it's your your, uh, Facebook or social media, maybe it's your health, okay? maybe it's relationships, whatever you hold dear, that is subject to change. Why? Because things die. People die. Your health fades. Money goes away. But the blessings that God has provided for you, every spiritual blessing that is rooted in Jesus Christ, what does it say? It is in the heavenly places. And what is in the heavenly places is incorruptible. You got something, believers, you have something right now that won't fade away and won't die and won't disappoint. It won't let you down. God has provided us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now look with me in verse 4. Not only have we seen that source, but we have been chosen for holiness. We have been chosen for holiness. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Hey, church, I want you to know something. You've been chosen. You've been chosen. Now, I know those are, we're about to hit two or three real big Southern Baptist curse words. When you hear the word chosen and when you hear the word predestined, boy, people just, people just start raising up flags and start saying we're, we're over here and we're over here. Listen, I don't care to get in any of those arguments only to say this. I'm so glad the Bible teaches that God chose us first, because left to ourselves, we would not have chosen Him. You know how I know that? Because from the garden and to, from the Garden of Eden to the, to the garden where Jesus prayed, Garden of Gethsemane, even up until now, mankind is constantly given the opportunity to go to God and constantly choosing the opposite. Adam and Eve lived in the perfect condition. No sickness, no death, everything provided for them. And yet, they still chose death. They still chose to go against God. Take that to Jesus in Matthew when he is being tempted. Jesus is out in the desert. He's not eaten. It's hot. And what does he do? Adam and Eve had the perfect environment and they failed. Jesus had the worst environment and he succeeded. I want you to know this, left to yourself, you would not have chosen him, but the Bible tells us that God has chosen us. Now, how do we reconcile that? Throughout the scripture, we can see that God is sovereign, and yet man still has free will. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that the scripture teaches both of those things. The scripture teaches that God is sovereign and he has chosen me and the scripture also teaches I believe that he has given us a choice and somehow those two exist together wonderfully and beautifully. God's sovereignty is so eloquently and wonderfully displayed in Romans chapter 8 verses 29 through 30 when the Bible tells us for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also called, he justified. And those whom he also justified, he glorified. See, the Bible tells us that God has chosen us. And in Matthew chapter 11, we can see this free will at play. Matthew 11:28, 28, Jesus will tell people, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is he saying? He says, choose me. Come to me. The invitation is still there. Come to me. In verse 4, he tells us, he has chosen us in him. What does that mean? It's in through Jesus that God has chosen us, but not only in him, but the Bible tells us here that he has chosen us for him. You weren't saved just to sit in a pew or you weren't saved just to continue your life as it was, but he has saved you for a purpose. He has chosen you for a purpose. To be holy and to be blameless is what the text says next. Even as he he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Listen to this. Before you ever sinned, before you were even a thought in your parents' eyes, God knew who you were. He loved you. He chose you. If you're here today and you know him, you can say, the scripture says this of me, Oh, I am blessed. Look at what God has done for me. He has chosen me to be holy and blameless for sake of time. Just write down 1 Peter 1.16. And write down 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. You were chosen for him. Not only have we been chosen for holiness, but we have been adopted in love. We've been adopted in love. Look at verses 4 through 6, the end of verse 4 actually. In love, the Bible tells us, he predestined us for adoption. Not only did God choose you, You know, it would seem to me that if I were God, if I had such grace or such mercy, maybe I would choose, but you still got to be over here somewhere because I know you. I know how you act. I know how you think. Uh, I'll choose you, but let's set you over here a safe distance from me because, well, I know you. The Bible tells us not only did he choose us, but he adopted us. Hey, you guys who were enemies, myself, I was an enemy of the cross. Running as far as I could from the cross, running as far as I could, rebelling as much as we could from God, and yet he sent his only son to die for us so that he could adopt us, so that we could be his children, so that we could look to that one who we had spurned and run from and rebelled, and we could call him Father, Father, have you stopped to think of the miracle and wonder that it is today that you can look to the holy God of the universe and call him Father? Daddy, he's adopted us, and it was in love that he adopted us. Because God loved us so much, He sent His only Son to die for us, so that His sin could be placed on us, and, uh, and so that, uh, excuse me, our sin could be placed on Him, and His righteousness could be placed on us. We have been adopted into His family. You, who were once orphans, now belong to a holy God. You have been adopted in love. And he says, the reason for all this in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Again, blessed be the God, our Father at the beginning, and then he's going to constantly say throughout this passage, hey, here's what God's provided you to the praise of his glorious grace. For his praise, for his glory, not for your own. That's why Jesus saved us, to bring glory to his own name. But not only seeing what God has done for us, I want you to see what the Lord is doing for you. This is our last point for today. And our third point, we will see it tonight. I want you to see what the Lord is doing for you. Verses 7 through 10. In him we have redemption. Redemption. The focus now seems to move in the text to Jesus. See, God had planned all this plan of salvation. We've seen what he did accomplish for us, but now... We're seeing what God is doing for us now. He has redeemed us. He is redeeming us. I Recently, uh, someone gave me a gift card to a restaurant. Actually, for Pastor Appreciation Month, someone gave me a gift card to a restaurant. You know what's funny? You take this little plastic card into... A restaurant that, that is not attached to any bank account you have, not attached to anything that is worth uh, anything that you've that you've done. You take in this plastic card. You go to the right place, and they scan it, and you get a free you get a free meal for for that. Now, if I took my subway card into Lenny's, I wouldn't get any. I wouldn't get anything from that, would I? But if I took that subway card to Subway, I would redeem these little numbers on this card that cost me nothing, I would redeem this for a meal. That would bring me nourishment. And what the Bible tells us about Jesus is this. this, We have been redeemed by him. We have been bought back by him. It's more than just this gift card. We have been bought by Jesus. Do you remember the book of Hosea? Hosea has this wife who is constantly unfaithful to him. And so Hosea sees his wife, she runs off from him, she's living a life of sin, and he is going through the town one day and he sees that she is being sold on this big stage, she's being sold into slavery. She's been sold as a prostitute into into slavery. He walks past this woman whom he once called his wife and Jesus, God tells Hosea, he says, go home and get And from the text, it almost seems to me like he says, get everything you got. Break the piggy bank. And go buy her back. I imagine Hosea saying, oh, but you know what she's done? Do you know the pain that's caused me and my children? Do you know the difficulty there? And yet, he goes and he buys her back. And the Bible says that Jesus has done the same thing with us. He's redeemed us. He's bought us back from our sin. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 will tell us this about Jesus. Since we were children, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus himself, likewise partook in the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who is the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus became flesh and blood to die for us so that he could buy us back. We have been redeemed. We are being redeemed. We have a great reason to have joy and to look at the blessings that God has given us because he has bought us back from the consequence, the penalty, and the power of our own sin. We were made right. We were vindicated. God has redeemed us. Not only has he redeemed us, not only is he redeeming us, but in him the Bible tells us that we have forgiveness of sins. I mean, have you paused to think about being forgiven? Have you ever done something and you thought, oh my goodness, if I go to somebody I will never be able. If I go to this person that I've offended, they'll never forgive me. Why would they forgive me? I'll be, I'll, be in, I'll be in big trouble. And even if someone gives you forgiveness at times, sometimes it's got strings attached to it. But the Bible tells us that God offers us forgiveness. And that forgiveness of our sin, he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. He provides forgiveness to us. He says that he is lavishing us in grace. Verse 8. According to the riches of grace which he lavished upon us. God doesn't just give you the grace that you need for each moment. The Bible tells us that he lavishes us with it. It's overflowing. It's like you have a cup and you just keep pouring and pouring and pouring. God has given you more grace than you can possibly even fathom. More grace than you and I ever deserve. He has lavished us with grace. So let me ask you a question. This Thanksgiving season, as we go into this Christmas season, are you turning around and are you blessing him for it? Hey, those of you who know him, those of you who can read in his word and see all that he's done for you, do you in turn look to him and say, thank you? In the book of Romans, we see one of the faults at the beginning. Romans, one of the faults in, in, in mankind was that even though they saw God in all that he provided for them, the Bible tells us they did not thank him. Church, are you a church, are you a people that thanks and loves Jesus for all that he has done for you? When we read Ephesians 1, and there's more to come, the best actually to me almost seems yet to come because not only has God done things for us, not only is he doing things for us in Jesus, but to see what happens next. You have to come tonight to see, but to see what happens next is all the more wonderful and all the more lovely, that he would love us, that he would choose us, that he would adopt us, that he would give us redemption and grace and forgiveness and wisdom. We'll see the rest tonight, but can I just encourage you today? if you're not thanking him, if you're not living a life of gratitude toward the God who provides this for you, can I just encourage you to just stop and just repent and thank God for all that he has done for you through Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, even now I know that there are people here today who don't know you, even though there has not been an explicit call to receive Jesus today through this message, God, I pray that if there's anyone today here who's lost I pray that today they'd give their life to you. God, I pray that we as believers would have gratitude and would be thankful. God, you've done so much, so much that can't even be explored. Even this text today that that could not be well explored in in years and years and years of just seeing all that you've accomplished for us through Jesus. God, we just want to stop and praise you and lift up your name. We want you to receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. And God, we pray that you would move now during this invitation time, and we will be very careful to give you all the praise on and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing our song of invitation?
0: Have Thy long no way, Lord? Have Thy.
1: So much. Joe would you come and lead us in our offertory prayer.
2: Bow your head. Lord thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord thank you for this holiday that we had as we got to fellowship with our family and our friends. Thank you for the safe travels. Lord thank you for those who weren't able to be with us during that holiday. Lord, we especially thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, as you sent him to us. Lord, bless this offer that we are about to take up in your great and wondrous name. Amen.